Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we talk about the controversy around the CAF Champions League final, which will be replayed after the second leg saw Widad Casablanca refusing to play on. Also lots on the UEFA Champions League final, as Liverpool took the title. We hear from fans here in Zimbabwe. They tried to get the, the, the Premier League. It was difficult. They lost by one point. So I think it's well-deserved. They've invested a lot. And... Um, Congratulations to them. Yeah. That's coming up later. First, just two weeks to go to the Africa Cup of Nations finals in Egypt. Uh, really looking forward to it. And whether your country made it there or not, it's sure to be very exciting. We'll be producing regular podcasts throughout the tournament, available on the Planet Sport Football Africa app. Our reporters Tom Ellis and Liam Flint will be in Egypt to bringing news stories and interviews. I'll be there too to bring you the usual Planet Sport Football Africa show every week uh, from Egypt, but also we'll have regular updates with podcasts uh, on the Planet Sport Football Africa app. Well, it's been quite a tumultuous week in African football. Uh, FIFA confirmed on Thursday that uh, CAF President Ahmed was arrested and questioned by the authorities in France. A statement from FIFA says it relates to allegations to do with his mandate as CAF president. Uh, the FIFA statement didn't give any specific details, uh, but uh, it has been uh, reported elsewhere that Ahmed was arrested on Thursday morning at his hotel in Paris, and uh, it's understood that the immediate focus of the inquiry concerns a sports kit contract signed two years ago by CAF with the French company Tactical Steel, replacing a previous contract with the Puma, and at this cost of the contract was more than three times the Puma deal. So we'll see what happens with this story. Also, there was huge controversy around the CAF Champions League final last Friday. On Wednesday, CAF ruled that the second leg will be replayed at a neutral venue and the match is likely to take place after the Nations Cup. Uh, this is after last weekend's second leg was not completed and Esperance of Tunisia were awarded the title at home in Rades after Widat Casablanca of Morocco refused to play on when the video assistant referee was unavailable to judge a disallowed equaliser. Now, the VAR had been set up on the side of the pitch, but the players had not been told that it wasn't working, although officials were aware. Esperance had been told to return the trophy and the winner's medals, and this, Sir Ida, is simply staggering. Absolutely, Steve. It was ridiculous to watch. And as you've said, the fact that VAR was actually set up pitch side, sort of just for show while the referees knew it wasn't working, that was just farcical. And with the decision of the final possibly being played in a neutral venue, well, it seems that CAF has gone the way of Conmebol last year. If you remember all the violence and drama that rocked the final of the Boca Juniors versus River Plate, with the match eventually being taken to a neutral ground, that was Real Madrid's San Santiago Banabu. However, it seems the drama isn't yet over. Reports from different factions are that Esperance will actually challenge the CAF Exco decision to replay the Champions League final. They have refused to return the trophy and their winners' medals. And if that's the case, then this drama doesn't look to be ending soon, does it? No, and Esperance say they will defend their rights in every legal way possible. 
One big question is, who was the guilty party? Uh, who really can take the blame? Uh, a CAF statement says that conditions of the game and safety were not met, so they're pointing the finger at the hosts there, Esperance, uh, but uh, surely the video assistant referee was the responsibility of CAF. There are other allegations that Morocco is so powerful in African football that they can control CAF's decisions, although these are merely allegations. But uh, you just can't imagine anything like this happening in the UEFA Champions League final, Ida, can you? You're absolutely right. It's impossible to imagine this happening on such a high level. And VAR will be on another big stage, by the way, the English Premier League from next season. And it's still equally as hard to imagine such happening, let's say, on the final day of the season, in which the title could go either way, as we saw a few weeks ago between City and Liverpool. But back to the CAF Champions League and seeing some of the most senior officials in the Federation on the pitch arguing as to what was going on was actually quite, quite embarrassing. Even CAF President Ahmad was on the pitch, and I'm sure that's something we'd be hard-pressed to see UEFA President Alexander Seferin doing on a Champions League night. And all the allegations that surfaced after that, Al-Ali actually alleged that Esperance disabled the VAR system last season during the home leg of the Champions League. But since Esperance won so convincingly against Al-Ali, then no one noticed. Said Nasiri, president of Waidad Casablanca, went on national television and claimed that CAF offered to award the next edition of the CAF Champions League to Waidad if they resumed the game. And now, with just a little over two weeks to go to the Afghan kickoff, CAF president Ahmad Ahmad has been arrested in Paris on corruption allegations. This follows the fact that there were reports of the CAF website being hacked, despite the fact that accreditation hasn't been issued to the Continental Showpiece. So all this is pretty, pretty wild, Steve. Yes, the Nations Cup is so close now, so it is bad timing. Let's just hope that CAF can sort out this mess before the Nations Cup finals in Egypt. On to the UEFA Champions League finals shortly. Uh, but on Wednesday, Gianni Infantino was re-elected unopposed as president of FIFA until 2023. He was first elected in February of 2016. He now starts his first full four-year term of office. Uh, after being re-elected, Infantino said in just over three years, the organisation went from being toxic, almost criminal, to being what it should be, an institution that develops football. Now, FIFA's budget for 2020 includes $810 million allocated to investments in football. So, has Infantino been good for Africa? Well, there will be nine places for the continent at the expanded FIFA World Cup from 2026 onwards. That was one of his promises to the continent. Uh, what about the development side of things for Africa, Ida? Kenya in particular has benefited from the new FIFA regime, Steve. It also helped that the change of guard at FIFA went in tandem with the change of guard here in Kenya, as the new Football Kenya Federation also came into power in the same year 2016. While the partnership between the two has seen Kenya become part of the FIFA forward funding program, which many footballing giants in the continent are yet to be integrated to, simply because they are unable to provide audited accounts of the funds that were already 
already given to them by FIFA. I was at the inaugural forum last year in Johannesburg, where FIFA stated that they plan on increasing the $1.25 million they currently give annually to qualified member associations to $2 million. Now, this money helps in development. For example, the women's game in Kenya has seen a marked improvement since this funding came about. There is now a fully operational women's Premier League in Kenya and the Federation was also able to buy an outside broadcasting van for football production. That was actually quite controversial because many were of the opinion that the money could have gone to different use. Yes, and I know the justification for that was that uh, the clubs in the continental competitions, the Champions League and the Confederation Cup, are obliged to provide TV broadcasts of games from the group stage onwards. And if they're not able, they have to pay CAF for them to do it uh, at a pretty high cost. So that was a cost-effective measure to get that outside broadcast van. Good to hear that you're maximising the FIFA assistance uh, there in Kenya. Uh, Not the case as yet here in Zimbabwe, though. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programmes in our archive. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. A reminder again that on the app you can download regular updates, a podcast during the Nations Cup, available on the Planet Sport Football Africa app, as it will be there bringing you news, stories and interviews throughout the course of the Africa Cup of Nations. So as well as the usual weekly Planet Sport Football Africa show, there are regular updates uh, with our podcast available on the Planet Sport Football Africa app. Also, you can listen to our show on our New Look website, that's planetsport.tv, and our other shows are there too, that's Planet Sport and the Planet Sport Rugby podcast, plus interviews you can read with various sports stars, including Ghana's Christian Achu and Brazil's Kaká. That's on our New Look website, planetsport.tv. Let's talk about the UEFA Champions League final now as Liverpool beat Tottenham 2-0 to win a sixth title in Madrid last weekend. And to Stuart, it wasn't a great final, but uh, Liverpool got the job done. Yes, Steve. Liverpool deserved the win, quite simply because they scored two goals. And wasn't it great to see the Egyptian hero Mo Salah scoring a penalty which had been created by Senegal Sadio Mane, while Divock Origi, the Belgian with Kenyan roots, scored the goal that clinched the win. But that said, Tottenham arguably played the better football for much of the game. I think that on paper the Tottenham midfield of Harry Winks, Christian Eriksen and Deli Alli has a lot more guile than Liverpool's. But on the day, all three of them simply failed to find their best form. And for all Tottenham's nice football, they really did not create many chances. We talked last week about Tottenham's dilemma of what to do with Harry Kane, fit but not having played for seven weeks. Well, Pochettino decided to play him from the start and kept him on the field for 90 minutes. But Kane was frankly not in the game and he had less touches than just about any other player. One does sort of wonder what difference it might have made had Tottenham played their semi-final hat-trick hero, Lucas Moura, instead. Yes, sure, and you'd have to say that Liverpool did well to strengthen in those areas of weakness, uh, namely in goal and in defence. When Jurgen Klopp came to Liverpool, the joke was that Liverpool had the best attack 
and the worst defence in the league. And the question was, could the brilliant attack score more goals than the poor defence conceded? Loris Karius made two gigantic errors in last year's Champions League final. But leaving that game aside, neither he nor Simon Mignolet frankly looked a good enough goalkeeper for a team with Liverpool's ambitions. So the signing of Alisson last summer has frankly transformed Liverpool. Not only does Alisson make great saves, he somehow creates an aura of confidence around him. Then there's Virgil van Dijk, who quite simply looks the best central defender in the world at the moment. He has become a rock and has made Liverpool defence very difficult to penetrate. For a long time, the Cameroon defender Joel Matip looked a weak link, but playing alongside Van Dijk, Matip had improved out of all recognition and has held his place ahead of Gomez, a very promising uh, young defender. And I think credit goes both to Matip for how he's developed and to Van Dijk for how he's made Matip a better player than he was. Yes, a massive improvement for sure with Joel Matip. Well, there's lots of happy Liverpool fans here in Zimbabwe. I spoke to some of them in Harare at the National Sports Stadium the day after the Champions League final. Yeah, we really knew it was going to be our year this time around. And uh, it's, we are a bit disappointed for not clinching, you know, the, what is it, the EPL. Uh, just peeped by Man City, but uh, it really should have been a double for Liverpool. We are ex- excited on the moon. And uh, yeah, celebration all through. Thank you. <laughs> so in Klopp, you trust? Certainly, in Klopp, we trust. And uh, it should be a double for us next season. <laughs> uh, well done. Thank you very much indeed. Yeah. Congrats. How are you feeling? Very happy. I think it's been long. And uh, Liverpool deserved to get something in the season. They tried to get the, the, the Premier League. It was difficult. They lost by one point. So I think it's well deserved. They've invested a lot. And um, congratulations to them. Yeah. And of all the entertainment from Liverpool this season, it wasn't an entertaining final. I guess you don't care. Yeah, I think there was a lot of pressure. And um, sometimes finals are like that because there's no second chance. So you're too careful and you don't want to make any mistake. It happens like that sometimes. We are so excited. So excited about the championship after a long time. We believed because Tottenham is smaller than ourselves, so we still believed that we will get the championship. And now champions of Europe, as one of the commentators was saying, this could be a period of dominance for Liverpool. Is that possible? It is. Looking what they have done in the past three years, it looks they are we are in the right track to, to rule. You are Liverpool? Yeah, are you yes, Liverpool? No. Yes, I am. OK, what's your name? Donald Chitimu. Uh, how old are you? Um, nine. Uh, who's your favourite players? Mosal, Mane and Firmino. And what's your message to other Liverpool supporters? Thank you for winning. <laughs> I'll never walk alone. Hmm? You'll never walk alone? Yes. <laughs> I'll never walk alone. Yeah, we really knew it was going to be our year this time around. And uh, it's, we are a bit disappointed for not clinching, you know, the, what is it, the EPL. Uh, just peeped by Man City, but uh, it really should have been a double for Liverpool. We are ex- excited on the moon, 
and uh, yeah, celebration all through. Thank you. <laughs> so in Klopp you trust? Certainly, in Klopp we trust and uh, it should be a double for us next season. <laughs> uh, well done. Thank you very much indeed. Yeah. Congrats, how are you feeling? Very happy. I think it's been long and uh, Liverpool deserved to get something in the season. They tried to get the, uh, the Premier League, it was difficult, they lost by one point. So I think it's well deserved. They've invested a lot and um, congratulations to them. Yeah. And of all the entertainment from Liverpool this season, it wasn't an entertaining final. I guess you don't care. Yeah, I think there was a lot of pressure and um, sometimes finals are like that because there's no second chance. So you're too careful and you don't want to make any mistake. It happens like that sometimes. We are so excited, so excited about the championship after a long time. We believed because Tottenham is smaller than ourselves, so we still believed that we will get the championship. And now champions of Europe, as one of the commentators are saying, this could be a period of dominance for Liverpool. Is that possible? It is. Looking what they have done in the past three years, it looks they are, we are in the right track to, to rule. You're Liverpool? Okay, what's your name? Donald Jutim. Uh, how old are you? Um, nine. Uh, who's your favourite players? Uh, Mo Salah, uh, Mane and Firmino. And what's your message to other Liverpool supporters? Thank you for winning. <laughs> I'll never walk alone. Hmm? You'll never walk alone? Yes. <laughs> I'll never walk alone. <laughs> so a young Liverpool fan there. Uh, Ida, how was the reaction to the final there in Kenya? Admittedly, many people in Kenya were rooting for Tottenham's Victor Wanyama, so it was a bit disappointing not to see him get some game time. And this was also compounded by the fact that he'd actually flown out his entire family to Madrid for that final. But the better team won, Steve, and Origi scoring for Liverpool still had everyone on their feet. After the numerous loan spells, Origi's father last year spoke on just how much he wanted his son to fight for his position at Liverpool. And I think Origi He's done just that. Congratulations to Liverpool. Yes, they did it. So, Stuart, is this a chance for Liverpool to build on this success and to become the force that they were in the 1970s and 80s? It's interesting that you mentioned Liverpool's the 1970s and 1980s because I remember being at Wembley in 1978 when Kenny Dalglish scored the only goal as Liverpool won the European Cup. I'm sorry to pour cold water on Liverpool celebrations, but comparing the teams, Liverpool won the European Cup four times and the league championship ten times in the 1970s and 80s. Liverpool have not won the league championship since 1990. So they're in the contradictory position of having won the Champions League without being champions. And... You could even ask questions about the way they won the Champions League this year. Remember the group stage when Liverpool lost all three away games, finished equal on points with Napoli and sneaked into the knockout stage by the smallest of margins. And while their 4-0 win over Barcelona was magnificent, let's face it, they lost 3-0 away to Barcelona and only made the final because of an incredible Barcelona capitulation. Liverpool have won the Champions League and give them credit for that. But I don't think even the most ardent supporter of Liverpool Football Club would argue that they are the best club side in Europe at the moment.
Wow. Well, I'm sure that many Liverpool fans will disagree, but uh, yes, the Reds easily could have gone out of the Champions League way before the final. Thanks for that, Stuart. Uh, Next, here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, we turn to social media. And the FIFA Women's World Cup begins this weekend in France, with 24 teams taking part and three African nations. That's Nigeria, Cameroon and South Africa. South Africa are there for the first time. Nigeria have been to all seven editions, but the Super Falcons have only got out of the group stage once. Cameroon made their debut appearance at the last edition in 2015, where they did very well to reach the second round. So last week we asked, what are you expecting from the continent's representatives this time around? On WhatsApp, Jata Samba in the Gambia says, This time I'll say it's going to be very interesting and so competitive because all of the countries in this competition are well prepared. But I'm going for Nigeria as my favourite to go furthest from the African teams. In Malawi, Hosea Rovinio Capucci says, I think this time the Africans will do better than in the past. Gemo, a Cameroonian living in the United States, agrees, saying, I'm really excited about the countries representing Africa. Personally, I think one of them will make it to the quarterfinals this time around, says Gemo. Mustafa Turai got in touch from Malaysia. I expect Nigeria to make it to out of the group stages and to be among the last four teams, says Mustafa. But I'm not expecting much from Cameroon or from South Africa. Vin Asha D. Pakamwe in Malawi is even more confident. It's a good time for the African team, says Vin. I believe two will make new records in this tournament, going through to reach the final and winning it for Africa. Uh, some optimism there. Ebrima Ba in the Gambia is putting his support behind Banyana Banyana. That's awesome for South Africa to be there for the first time, says Ebrima. It's definitely going to be a tough journey for them, but let them fight hard in order to take Africa's women's football to another level and to make the whole of Africa proud. I wish them a very successful competition, says Ibrima. Mwenda Zambwe in Zambia agrees, saying it's going to be a great experience for South Africa. Look at how they performed at the women's AFCON. And Mwenda adds that Nigeria will be very good representatives for Africa. Look out for their star player, Asisat Oshwala, who plays on the wing. She's a marvellous player to watch. I think Nigeria may reach the quarterfinals, but as for Cameroon and South Africa, they'll need to do more if they're to register even a single win in the group stages, says Mwenda. Sarja B. Conte in the Gambia also highlights the same Super Falcons player. I'm expecting all three African teams to surprise the bookmakers by reaching the knockout stage of the tournament, says Sarja. For example, look at the form of Barcelona's Nigerian striker Asisat Oshwala. She's having a good season at the Catalan club. And for sure, yes, the Super Falcons' Asisat Oshwala of Barcelona will certainly be one of the players to watch. However, Kitenga Ija Godfrey in Uganda isn't so optimistic. African women's football is still lagging behind in terms of funding, says Kitenga Ija. This has failed the development of the game on African soil. Therefore, I've lower expectations from the African representation in the tournament. I'll be surprised to see any of them going past the group stages. And Mohamed Manika Sisse in Sierra Leone agrees, saying, For me, I don't think they're going to do that well in the competition because up until now the African teams are not yet ready. That's the simple fact, says Mohamed. 
Kiersan Sisse in The Gambia believes this could be Africa's year. It may look impossible, but I'm expecting nothing other than a place in the final and a trophy for our representatives, particularly for my team Nigeria, says Kursan. I think we now have teams who could snatch a victory from the big guns. This time could be the perfect time and we're ready for the fight. And Jesse Rando in Sierra Leone agrees, saying, I do expect them to make a mark this time around. When you look at them this time, it tells you that they're ready for business, thinks Jesse. We always welcome your voice notes on what's up. And from the Gambia, here's Ebrima Kante. Obviously, women football is on the rise in Africa. If you look at the way the game is played, you you will realize that the game is growing. But if you, if I am going to be realistic, I think they will try, but it will be very difficult for them. But I fancy the the Nigerian team. They are well experienced. They have top players like Asisad Aswala, and also they have the experience in in this tournament. Well, and agreeing there with Abrima is Kao Su Jabi in the Gambi, who says, I'm expecting Nigeria to make us proud. And in Malawi, Patrick Mwamlima agrees, saying, I'm putting Nigeria on a high. Musa Kamara in the Gambia says, to be honest, I'm expecting them to reach nothing less than the second round because Nigeria and Cameroon have good female teams, says Musa. And finally, Hamat Jobe in the Gambia says, I'm not a follower of women's football, but I do know about the Super Falcons of Nigeria, and I'm sure that they will perform up to expectations. Likewise, South Africa and Cameroon too. I wish them all the best, and I hope that they make the continent proud, says Hamat. Well, thanks so much for all of those comments. Uh, For me, I must say I'm not that optimistic. I think that uh, maybe we can expect one of the African teams to get out of the group stage, but uh, perhaps uh, not much more than that. It will be tough going. Uh, Look at South Africa. They lost 7-2 to Norway in their last warm-up game ahead of their first-ever appearance at the World Cup as they play Spain on Saturday. Uh, Banana Banana didn't win any of their seven games ahead of the tournament. And goalkeeper Kaylin Swart spoke to the South Africa Football Association. It's honestly a great achievement. Um, it's things people dream about. Uh, we always talk about the Under-17 World Cup and how young we were and didn't really have the moment to sink in that moment. But yeah, now going to a Senior World Cup, I don't think there's anything bigger than that. Um, yes, we've been to Olympics, but the World Cup is definitely where every athlete wants to be, whether you're male or female. So Yeah, I mean, it's overwhelming, but it's exciting at the same time. And um, we are here now, we're in France, and yeah, we just got to love every moment and enjoy the ride. But yeah, the pressure is definitely building. And um, I mean, we all want to play and, um, you know, we all want to showcase our talents at the big stage. And yeah, it's pretty exciting. we're ready for it. Um, yeah, we still got some things to work on, but um, as a whole, I think we're all uh, looking forward to what's to come this year. Um, I think 2019 is going to be a big year, not just for us, but for every country. Um, you know, women's football's on the rise, and the game has changed so much. Um, it's so advanced now, so yeah, and you can't deny the talent that every country has. So, yeah, it's just for us to put our best foot forward and um, work towards something that, you know, we want to achieve. We want to make ourselves proud, our country proud. And obviously all the hard work we've put in, you know, we wanted to pay off. So, 
um, yeah, uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough, um, but I think we're up for the challenge. So it's an adventure for them to enjoy. Uh, that's the South Africa goalkeeper Kaylin Swarter speaking to the South Africa Football Association. And looking at it overall, Ida, how big is this edition of the Women's World Cup going to be? It should be big, although there are fears naturally of it being overshadowed by the AFCON, the Nations League in Europe and the Copa America. However, it's a good thing that it's been preceded by the FIFA Women's Football Convention in Paris. So there are definitely gains being made in the women's game all round. Yes, and African teams in action this weekend at the Women's World Cup. South Africa playing Spain on Saturday. Nigeria versus Norway also on Saturday. Cameroon's first game comes on Monday as they take on Canada. More on the FIFA Women's World Cup on next week's show. And also next week, lots on the Africa Cup of Nations. And we're asking on social media, who do you think will win the Nations Cup? It is just around the corner, so tell us who you think will win and why. Can Cameroon defend their title? Will the host Egypt win it for an eighth time? What about the likes of Morocco and Nigeria? Maybe could one of these smaller teams take it? Uh, give us your thoughts on social media. Who will win the Africa Cup of Nations? You can go to our Facebook page. That's Planet Sport Football Africa. Or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Who are you tipping to win the Africa? Cup of Nations. And we've got the quarterfinals of the FIFA Under-20 World Cup this weekend. Two African teams still alive. Mali playing Italy on Friday and Senegal taking on South Korea on Saturday. Well, that's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Ida Waringa in Nairobi and from Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.